The following message is from Grace City Church in Ottawa. For more information, please visit gracecity.ca. We, uh, a number of months ago, we started a series in the book of Exodus uh, as we gathered in parks over the month of August, and then last Sunday as we came back in here into the Mayfair, we had come out of that series, but this morning we're going to continue on. So uh, if you have a Bible with you, feel free to turn to Exodus chapter 16. I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 16, just the first five verses of this chapter, then I'll pray, and we will go into this together. This is what it says. They set out from Elam, this is the people of God, the, the Israelites, they've been, they've been set free from their slavery in Egypt, that's where we are in this story, they've crossed the Red Sea, and that's where we're picking the story up. Then they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of all the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month that they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. Let's pray together. Spirit, I pray uh, right now that the words of my mouth and, and the meditations of my heart as I uh, lead us through these verses in your word of God, that they would be pleasing to your sight. Spirit, I pray that you would help me, that you would help us, that we would receive this as instruction, as encouragement, as the very word of God within whom there is no conflict. There is no disagreement on, on what is to be written in this book and given to us as revelation. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're here with us this morning. Jesus, this is, this is all for you. This is not for the glory of the name of our local church here. This isn't for the glory of any of us individually. Jesus, this is for your glory. So I do pray that you would be glorified over these uh, minutes that we have together as we open your word together, as we go to the communion table together, and as we sing songs of worship in response to the gospel, in response to the good news, Jesus, of who you are and what you have done. Jesus, would you be glorified in and through all of this, I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. So where we're picking this story up, as I said, is the Israelites, they're no longer slaves in Egypt. If you've not been with us through this series, you can get onto the website and listen, listen back. We have a number of sermons starting right there from the beginning of Exodus telling this story. But now we're in Exodus 16. They've been freed. We've gone through the plagues where God is having this conflict with Pharaoh, the God, if you will, of the Egyptians. And God is showing that he is more powerful, that he is stronger, and that his word will come to pass. He wants freedom for his people, and that will happen, and God's people now know this freedom. They've been set free in the most dramatic fashion. They've crossed the Red Sea, which was opened up in front of them. But as we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 16, while it is clear that they are free, 
They're not living in the good of that freedom, are they? That's not how these first few verses of Exodus chapter 16 would read if they were living in the fullness and the good of this freedom that God has won for them. One month has passed since they've been set free. We know that from the dates that are given to us in Exodus. And whether it's food that they brought with them or whether it's food that they found along the way, this whole congregation of the people of Israel is estimated to be some two million people. It's a lot of people, twice the population of Ottawa, a lot of people now wandering through the desert. They don't have food. They've run out. Two million people, and they've run out of food. That's where we're picking the story up here. And we read about how they feel about this in verse 2. The whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses. The whole congregation. We want to read that and think, surely there are exceptions in there. Surely there, there's, a, there's a group of people huddled somewhere going, no, we're not, we're not going to grumble. We're not going to complain. We're going to trust. No. The whole congregation. If you're here and you've been a follower of Jesus for any length of time, maybe you've fallen into the same thing that I fall into uh, at times when I'm reading this book. I think that I would be the exception. <laughs> I read about uh, the creation story in Genesis and sin entering the world, and I think, oh, if I was there, if I was in the garden, I wouldn't have done that. I read about the Israelites here grumbling and complaining. I think, well, I, I wouldn't have done that. Maybe you think that as well. Are you sure? Am I sure? No. Because it says here, the whole congregation. What we need to remember as we go through this story in Exodus, this story is our story. Israel's story is our story. We mustn't just approach this as a historical record. We're to see ourselves in this, but ultimately we're to see Jesus in this. But let's not think for a second that we would be the exception here. We are not. The whole congregation of Israel grumbled. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. That's verse 2. Now, we might think, well, what's, what's wrong with a little grumbling? You might think, oh, I, like a good, I like a little grumble every now and then. Kind of nice. nice to grumble against something. On, on the internet, we call it trolling, don't we? Whether it's anonymous or whatever, we grumble online. We grumble. What's wrong with a little bit of, what's wrong with a little bit of grumbling? Well, the thing about grumbling is that it can seem very uh, non-threatening, it can seem very trivial, very minor at first, but you know what? The thing about grumbling is that it can actually be deadly. It can actually be deadly. And that's what we're going to see in these verses here. You know, I think grumbling is a little bit, is a little bit like a gas leak. You think, what are, you, what are you talking about there? Let me tell you a quick story about uh, when Natalia and I, about a year ago, we were leaving a life group in our house. And some of you uh, who were in our life group at the time, maybe you will uh, remember this. We were leading a life group, we were getting ready to go, we had food prepared and, and uh, getting ready to host people. And uh, I remember uh, going to the door and letting people in. And uh, I, remember, I remember thinking, something smells funny. And some of you are thinking, uh, I had just let the people in the house. It wasn't that, okay? But I remember thinking, Some, something smells funny. And then I remember thinking, something smells a little bit to me like gas. Again, I'm not referring to the people that I just let in the house, okay? Just, just to be clear, I remember thinking, something smells like gas. And as the evening went on, I said to somebody around the dinner, I said, do you, do, you, do you smell something? One person, no, I don't smell anything. And said to somebody else a few minutes later, do you smell something? Smells a little bit like, yeah, I think maybe I do. 
just a little bit. So I'm kind of thinking, what? What's going on? Okay, it wasn't that strong, but it was there. It's, it's where the Italian and I live, so maybe I was more kind of highly tuned to it, to smells, to odors in my house. Hopefully a host is more highly tuned to that than others. But as it went on, as the evening went on, I thought, no, I definitely, I, I, I smell something. Definitely smell something. And then our CO2 alarm upstairs in our bedroom started going off. So I go upstairs, and it's right by one of the, the vents on the floor. So I press the button to turn it off, not to ignore it, but I'm thinking, okay, there's definitely something going on here. So I come back downstairs, and everybody's there for life group, and I said, guys, look, I, we, might need to, we might need to postpone our evening together. We might need to cut the night short, because I, I definitely am smelling a bit of gas. The CO2 alarm has just gone off, and I'm, I'm not sure we should be continuing on in here tonight. But I, I, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know where it was coming from. And fortunately, around that time, uh, Natalia had remembered that we had bought something for our oven. We had bought something that we put at the bottom of our oven, which is a gas oven in our house, that uh, if food drips on it and, and, and you know, pizza toppings and that sort of thing, it falls on this like mat, this heat-proof mat, and you can just bring that in. It makes it a lot easier to clean the oven. But when we put that, when I put that in the oven, it was actually blocking some of the vents. That's what was going on. So there was unburnt gas that was coming through that because it wasn't able to ignite. Fortunately, we realized this. We pulled that out, uh, turned the fans on and everything, aired the, aired the house, and everything was fine. But the point is this, what started off really subtly, what started off as something that's like, oh, maybe it's not that big a deal. Oh, it's, it's not, it doesn't really matter, does it? Could have ended up being deadly. Could have ended up leading to a very, very serious Incident. I'm saying all this realizing that if we lead a life group again, none of you are going to come for fear of your lives. Uh, but still, this thing that started off very, very, you know, just inconspicuously could have ended up being extremely serious and even deadly. Grumbling, other translations say murmuring as well. That's the same thing. Same thing. You might think of it as, ah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But we're going to see in these verses, no, you know what? This could end up being deadly. So let's, let's look at how this grumbling, this murmuring, how this has taken root in the hearts of the whole congregation of Israel. And we have it summarized for us, starting in verse 3. The people of Israel said to them, said to Moses and Aaron, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Okay, this is lie number one. They're saying, it would have been better if God had killed us in Egypt. If, if God had killed us. The same God that through miraculous signs and wonders released them, freed them from their slavery in Egypt. God that showed them immeasurable grace and mercy. They're now saying, it would be better if that God had killed us back there. Wow. Wow. They're not done yet. Would it be that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full? They're, 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 like, they're talking about their time in Egypt like they had all together been at some like amazing, luxurious Airbnb. <laughs> like it was just amazing for them. We had all this amazing food and we just had, we had the time of our lives. Yeah. Barbecuing, eating loads of good bread. They're remembering this in a really, really peculiar way. Psychologists would refer to this as something called selective recall or cognitive bias. 
looking back and remembering things very different to how they are. Paul in Corinthians, the first Corinthians, he writes about how when we're looking forward and we're trying to see the glory of Jesus and what awaits us, he writes about it in a way saying, we see through a glass dimly. We're not able to see clearly what is awaiting us, what is before us. That is true. But you know what is also true? We also see through a glass dimly behind. We can look behind ourselves and remember things very differently to how they actually were. Christian, here in the room this morning, do you do this sometimes in your life? Do you remember your time before you gave your life to Jesus and different aspects of your life then and find yourself actually wishing in some respects that you were back there? Oh, I liked it more when I could just go and just try to earn as much money as I could. I didn't have to go somewhere where every once in a while somebody stands up and invites me to, to give generously to the church. I liked it when I could just be in whatever relationships if I wanted to sleep around, even if it was a relationship. If there's just physical pleasure that I want, I could do it without anybody saying, hey, that's, that's, not, a, that's not a good idea. God wants something better for you. I liked it when I could just pursue career with everything that I had. It was better. Look, if you're thinking along these lines, I want to ask you, are you remembering honestly? How did it go for you when you, when you did those things? Or fill in the blank with, with your own story. I'm not going to presume to know every story here in the room. Do you remember the inner sense of turmoil? Do you remember the emptiness? Do you remember the feelings of, of just wondering, am I going to be in something that is healthy? Is this job going to kill me? Am I ever going to have enough? Sometimes when we think back, when we remember back, we do it through a glass dimly, and we remember back to a way that it never actually was. And that's what's happening here with the Israelites. Oh, back then we had food. No, back then you were slaves. You were slaves, and it was killing you, but God in his mercy and in his grace has set you free. But still, they're not done yet, unfortunately. They talk about being back in Egypt and having lots to eat, lots to drink, and then they say, for you, speaking to Moses and Aaron, for you have brought us out into this wilderness, true, Moses did lead them out of the wilderness. We've been through that part of the story in this series. But this is their summary to their leader. You've brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly. Whew. Leadership is tough sometimes. Moses, who has already spent 40 years in the wilderness and now as a leader of God's people, is in the wilderness again, is now being told by the congregation of God's people, you brought us out here to kill us. You see how grumbling, do you see how murmuring can seem fairly inconspicuous at first? But the lies that it can end up leading us to can be devastating. Devastating. Church, are we on guard, even within our church, within Grace City Church? Let's speak about this. And when life groups start up, don't be afraid to speak about this. Other brothers and sisters in Christ, let's talk about this. Is, is there grumbling and murmuring that we're at risk of having set in? It seems right now, like, yeah, well, when the, when the worship team chose that song, it wasn't that great, was it? It wasn't that great. Or when Rich said this, it wasn't that great. Or when my life group leader or somebody else did that, and kind of grumbling and murmuring. Are we on guard for that? I'm not, I'm not saying that criticism has no place. But friends, we must watch our hearts as we do it. 
We must watch our hearts as we do it. We must do it in love. We must do it in an effort to serve one another. We must do it with humility. If we don't, we're going to be at risk of that grumbling and murmuring taking root in a way that could be explosive. Could be extremely harmful. It could even be deadly for us. We must be careful. Selective recall, cognitive bias. This can happen in our lives. This can happen for followers of Jesus thinking back to before they met Jesus, to before life with him. We must be careful and, 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 and think back honestly, even asking God to help us to do that. We must remember not only what we have been saved to, but also what we have been saved from. And that's exactly part of the point of what's happening here in this telling of the story of the Exodus. There was a Christian saying, kind of a, you know, one of those saying that kind of makes the rounds on social media and, and whatnot a while ago. It went something like, the next, time, uh, the next time the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. You heard that line? I want to say two things about that, if I may. <laughs> Firstly, talking to the devil is never a good idea. All right? I mean it. I mean it. We, we, don't be flippant about that. Talking to the devil is never a good idea. And the second thing I want to say is this. What about when God reminds you of your past? What about then? Now here, I know, hear me out, hear me out. I know we're thinking, well, God, God wouldn't do that. No, no, no. This is God's word. This is God's word. Exodus is God's perfect and holy word. It's included within this book. And we're reading about God's people being reminded of what they had done. And not only that, but in the New Testament, we see it again. In Ephesians chapter 2, if you have a Bible, feel free to turn there. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and I want to I go through quickly eight verses, but I'm going to start with Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 8, okay? We love these verses, starting in verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And then the top of the mountain here, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, and us as a non-Pentecostal and occasionally charismatic church, we all say amen, right? Amen. Well done, you Baptist, good job. See, we can do it, we can do it, okay? Now we go through those verses, and we read them, and, 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 and we love them, but that's not where the chapter starts, that's not where Paul's line of thought starts. It starts in verse 1. Put this on your bumper sticker. Put this on your fridge magnet. Ready? And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. <laughs> okay, all right. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were, by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. It'd be hard to fit onto a bumper sticker. But it's there. And then verse 4. But 
God being rich in mercy. Dear friend, the mercy and the grace of God is only glorious when set against the backdrop of where we once were and who we once were. We mustn't forget that part of our story. We mustn't, but let me tell you what God will never do. Some of you are feeling like I'm saying, perhaps, well, is, are you saying God wants to rub my nose in it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. God will never remind you of things in your past to rub your nose in it to say, you're so wicked, you're so, you, you don't, you don't deserve any of this. There's a sense in which we don't, but he's not doing it to make you feel guilty or to make you feel bad. He's doing it to show you the glory of his son. Look at where you once were. Look at what I have saved you from. That's what's happening here in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 16. So then, how is God going to respond? When, when, when we do that, when we so lack faith, when we, like the whole congregation of Israel, when we, knowing God's grace, knowing freedom from something, being led into freedom, when we say, it'd be better if I was back there, back there I had all that I could eat, all that I could drink, all, all, all that I wanted to do, every, every fleshly desire that I wanted to live, and I could do it, nobody would tell me otherwise. I want to be back there. When we do that, when we lack faith, when, when, we, when we accuse God of things that God has not done, they're saying, you, you brought us out here to kill us. You're, you're God's chosen representative. When we make these accusations against God's people and against God himself, how is God going to respond? How is, well, let me ask you, how would you respond? I, I wouldn't be too happy about this. Everything that God has done for the Israelites, the way that he confronted Pharaoh, the miraculous signs, I mean, my goodness, how is God going to respond to them responding to all of that? The parting of the Red Sea, the going across on dry ground. How is God going to respond to this, this like, horrible uh, rebellion? These, these, these hearts that are so uh, twisted and, and, and torn up that they would dare to say to God, it'd be better if we were back there. How is God going to respond to that? Well, we know. We know exactly how God responds to it. Starting in chapter 16, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, here it comes. Ready? Here it comes. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, oh good, good, this is a good start. Behold, God's saying, Behold, serious. He's going to sort this out. This is good. Behold, I am about to rain. Yes, good. He's going to rain. going to rain. God, rain down your judgment. Smote them, oh smoter of heaven. Take your anger out on them. He's going to rain down. Yes. Bring it on. Behold, I am about to rain bread. What? Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven. Oh, church, this is our God. In response to the wickedness and the rebellion of his people, who are longing for their days of slavery in Egypt, God responds saying, Behold, I am going to rain down bread from heaven. This 
is such grace. And this is a pointer directly to Jesus Christ. In John chapter 6, Jesus is speaking about the bread of life. And he speaks about himself as the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And then two verses later, he says, sent from heaven. You know what? God's grace and God's mercy to our lack of faith, to our rebellion, to our anger, misplaced anger towards God, it's the same today as it was for the Israelites then. God, you know what? He just can't help himself. He just can't help himself. Continually, he responds to his people with grace and with mercy. Dear friend, are you here this morning feeling, uh, because of things that you have felt towards God, let me first address the Christians in the room, disappointments that you felt, something's happened in a relationship, in the work, in your move to Ottawa, in your family, in your health, something's happened and you have felt strong things towards God, but also against God. You know what? He can take it. Be honest with Him. Be honest with Him. But even if your anger, well, if, if, if it's anger towards Him, then that is misplaced. Okay? But if you're carrying it in a way that is not right, that is unjust, and right now you're thinking, well, but he's going to respond to me with, he's, he's going to pour his wrath out on me because of how I've essentially profaned his name. That's what it is. It's blasphemy. That's what's happening here. That's what Israel's do. They're blaspheming the name of God. And you're thinking, because of my blasphemy towards God, profaning his name, putting things on him that he is not, he's going to deal with me harshly. Go to Exodus 16. And friends, the Father says to you this morning, Behold, I am going to rain down on you bread from heaven, provision from heaven, and grace. And ultimately, we find that in his Son, the bread of life sent from heaven. He is so gracious. He is so kind. Next week, we're going to look in more depth at manna, at this bread that comes from heaven, and just how we get to see Jesus in this. It's just... Oh, it's amazing. It, it, the whole thing, it's about Jesus. And we're going to go into that in even more detail next week. But for now, let's enjoy this grace, knowing that God is our provider and that he's quick to respond with grace and mercy towards us, even in our lack of faith, even when we get it so wrong, even when we accuse him of things that are completely unfair. He's kind and gracious towards us.